0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Week Ahead. My name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the Executive Director here at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. We are, of course, joined by our fearless leader, Tim Harden, President and CEO of TFR. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Good to be here. And this week, we are joined by special guest Bill Peacock. He's the host of the Liberty Cafe podcast and curator of ExcellentThought.net. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Good morning.
1: It's great to be here, guys. Thank you.
0: We appreciate you joining us this morning. So today marks day 105 of the 140-day legislative session. As Tim and I have talked about kind of on several occasions now, really over the last week, two weeks or so, we are coming up on some impending deadlines. And so I don't want to spend too much time on this since we've covered it quite a few times, but I think it's worth Reminding folks uh, that since today is day 105, uh, we're just uh, two weeks out, if you will, from the uh, uh, kind of first impending deadline for folks that are, watching, uh, that's, that are watching legislation move through the process. So day 119 or Monday, May 8th, is the last day that House committees uh, can pass out House bills or House joint resolutions. In order for them to be considered in time, and then day one twenty two, which is I believe Wednesday or Thursday, it's May eleventh, is the last day for the House to actually consider House bills and House joint resolutions on a calendar for second reading. So I want to make sure that is on folks' radar. Uh, but of course, as we know, right, that is uh, that those are those are things that will start to kill bills as they stack up um, on the calendar. So uh, while While we have that in the back of our mind, let's pivot real quick. We cannot afford to not talk about the budget so the proposed budget document of course is house bill one um, as of right now uh, i believe as last week uh, both the house and senate appointed conferees to a conference committee uh, comprised of five members of the texas house of representatives and five members of the texas senate uh, before we get into kind of the nitty-gritty wanted to maybe get y'all's thoughts on where we're at in the process we'll start with you tim on maybe some high level kind of where we're at on the budget
2: yeah, sure. So uh, it has been passed out of the Senate. Um, so it is in a different version, and so now we are. Uh, I believe they have already appointed uh, conferees. Correct, Jeremy, or am I am I incorrect that, in that?
0: That's correct. They've done both yeah. both in the House and Senate. Yep.
2: That's right. And so what happens here is they take five members of the House Appropriations Committee, essentially, and five of the Senate Finance Committee, and they are going to go meet and they're going to reconcile this budget, which means they are going to make it into a uniform version that both of the conferees um, agree on. And then once they do that, this will then go to both respective chambers and they will either vote to concur or not concur with the uh, committee report. And so my assumption is Almost always they will concur, uh, but that is where we're at in the process right now.
0: Bill, did you have any initial thoughts on kind of the budget document as it looks like now? Well, just talking about the
1: conferees, I mean, traditionally what you've had in the Texas legislature is that one one house passes a higher bill and the other house takes a more conservative approach and passes a lower Uh, cost bill. And then they usually come and meet somewhere in the middle. uh, Unfortunately, it it doesn't look like there's anybody who's really pushing the conservative approach here. So, you know, the the Senate bill is uh, for about $4 billion higher than the House bill. But it wouldn't surprise me if they come back with a bill that's higher than both the House and the Senate's bill.
0: Now, um, you know, without getting too far into the weeds as as far as numbers goes, and we'll get to um, some research that you provided uh, for our organization bill here in a second, but, you know, there is property tax relief that's included um, in both the House and Senate version of the bill. It's, it's likely that that will be part of the reconciliation that takes place um, here going uh, as we kind of enter the last few weeks of the legislative session. Uh, but, you know, but there are other priorities, uh, seemingly, that both the House and Senate kind of maybe maybe not differ. That's not the right word, but they have different approaches um, to, to how we get there. Um, Bill, do you want to maybe speak to your paper specifically? Obviously, you wrote about the budget surplus and kind of introduced that uh, because we can't have that conversation in a vacuum.
1: Uh, right. Well, yeah. So one of the things we've been talking about and then a lot of people have been talking about, well, how are they going to spend the Texas surplus? The, the, the big surplus. Now, there's the $32.7 billion surplus that, that everybody knows about, but that's the surplus, extra money left over from the current budget, right? But there's also a surplus if you look forward because they have to project spending out over two years. And so, and there's extra money going out in two years. So what we did in this paper was kind of look at what the total surplus is and we came up with about $78 billion, that the legislature has $78 billion more in state funds to spend this year, this legislative session, than they did back in 2021. And so that, that's the beginning point for, um, for how we are looking at things.
0: Now, of course, a, a big narrative um, kind of going into this legislative session has been, the property tax relief as we talked about earlier. And what I hear you saying, Bill, of course, is that, you know, there's the, the projected surplus as provided by the comptroller. There's the additional surplus, which is the, you know, the money available above what was appropriated last biennium or last cycle. You know, where, where are we at with kind of what, what the legislature wants to provide as property tax relief and then what's available?
1: Sure. Well, uh the, the Senate and the House have slightly different versions. And in, in the Senate, uh, they have come out with nine point eight billion dollars for property tax, new property tax relief. Through their, they're they're doing it in various ways, but it's nine point eight billion dollars. The uh, Texas House's version is closer to twelve billion dollars, a little bit less than that, I think. So they're going to have to reconcile the, the differences there. But just to put those in perspective, uh, if we if we look at the numbers, so. Yeah, you know, out of that seventy-eight billion dollars, and we'll just look at the Senate version. But look, out of the seventy-eight billion dollars of surplus funds this this session, um, the legislature has the Senate has put aside nine point eight billion dollars. The uh, the House slightly more, but new state spending on other programs in the in the Senate version of the bill is fifty-two point seven billion dollars. So, um, well, four times. Five, almost more than five times as much is going to new state spending than to property tax relief. And, you know, just, just look at a couple of the categories. Uh, it's like $13.9 billion is payments to energy companies, $12.9 billion are for Medicaid and healthcare. Both of those categories are significantly higher than what we might expect for, for property tax relief. And then there's a lot of other, Uh, spending categories and the billions of dollars that are being spent on these new programs rather than being given back to us, the people who created the surplus in the first place with our tax dollars.
0: Tim, uh, it, go to you here next. Obviously, that's kind of been a narrative that we've talked about several times, right, is you have lawmakers who consistently, at least publicly on social media, and everything else, right, they, they, they want to remind taxpayers that they understand this surplus, you know, represents an over collection of their money, and they're going to give it back to us. But what I hear Bill saying, and what the numbers seem to say, is that they're going on a spending spree. What are your thoughts?
2: Is anyone surprised? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the first thought. Um, we, you know, we've been advocating uh, specifically for the elimination of school MNO. And what's, what's a shame is. You know, typically what we see the legislature do is what I call the minimum effective dose, right? The the minimum that they have to give uh, taxpayers in order to uh, get themselves reelected, right? And it seems like this go-round, it looks like they're thinking the minimum effective dose is going to be somewhere between $10 billion and $12 billion. That's likely what we're going to end up with. But uh, unfortunately, you know, this this battle is is not going to be over, even if that's to decide what to that they want to do, because one, this simply is just not going to provide enough property tax reasons. And everywhere we go and everywhere we speak, people understand, just like Abbott understands, because he said this multiple times that as long as you pray, pay property taxes, you are paying rent to the government. You do not own your property. And so this does not solve that problem. I think best case scenario for most folks, uh, you get a few hundred dollars off your property tax bill. And I think by the time people realize this, um, I think legislators are hoping that they've already won their primaries <laughs> and uh, and and they move on. But I, I imagine if this is the solution they give, which is likely what's going to happen, uh, we're going to be right back here next legislative session Doing the exact same thing we've done every single session for the last two decades which is demanding more property tax relief because enough
0: before we pivot bill did you have anything else you wanted to add regarding the budget surplus maybe something that's important uh, kind of an important takeaway for for taxpayers
1: well get, getting back to uh, tim's minimum dose because I, I think he's absolutely right one of the the key features in this budget is that they're hiding a lot of the spending increase. And I'll, I'll just give you, I won't get down in the weeds, but just let me give you two examples. So, you know, the, in the supplemental bill, which is Senate bill 30, which they're just, that means they're spending more money this, this budget cycle rather than the future. Uh, they, they appropriated, if you look at all the documents, it looks like they appropriated about $5 billion more in uh, new funding out of state funds. But but that's not true because what they did in Senate Bill 30 was they unappropriated $8 billion they had appropriated last time and then spent that on other things. So the real increase is $13 billion, but it only shows up as $5 billion. Well, how do they get away with that? Well, property taxes, school property taxes specifically, went up so much in the last year in 2022. They went up so much that that generated $8 billion extra dollars for spending on schools. And so what the legislature did was they just took our $8 billion extra dollars of property taxes from last year, and instead of giving it back to us, they actually replaced uh, state funds with our property taxes and, and then going out and spending the, the, uh, the state funds. So it's a, it's a game, but they're, they're not just not giving us property tax relief. They're making it worse their own actions. And then one other th- quick thing is that they, uh, there's this energy insurance program that the uh, the legis- the Texas Senate is really high on, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. And uh, in, 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 I guess in this, they're saying that it's going to help re- release, uh, relieve uh, all the, the problems we have with reliability. A lot of us are doubtful about that, but that's going to cost $10 billion. But they didn't appropriate that $10 billion in this budget. They just transferred it over, right? So it takes $10 billion out of the budget, but they just transferred it over and not appropriating it because they were within $4 billion of the uh, the constitutional spending limit cap, and they couldn't appropriate the money. So they're just going to set it off to the side, take it out of our pockets, but put it off on the side so they can appropriate it maybe when they come back next year. So, and that's not showing up in all the budget figures as well. So there's a lot of ways they're trying to hide it. And I think they're trying to hide it because they know we won't like it.
0: Well, speaking of shifting the burden, this is a good segue to our next topic. You know, we woke up this morning uh, to see that the corporate welfare revival effort that's kind of been prioritized in the Texas House of Representatives, this is taken the form of House Bill 5, um, it is now up to 76 authors, right? So in a, in, a, in a vacuum of 150 House members, assuming that they are all present, 76 is all you need to pass a bill and it appears that the corporate welfare revival effort house bill five now has the necessary votes theoretically to get there now last i checked it was it was left pending in the i believe the house ways and means committee but it's very likely with this amount of authors it'll be voted out i assume this week we'll see it on a calendar here sometime sometime soon you know, and we're talking about shifting the burden to, to taxpayers. This is a perfect example of that. Um, Tim, I know you watched this committee hearing. What are your initial thoughts on House Bill 5 as it currently looks?
2: Uh, well, I can tell you that the, the witness testimony, when you look at the sheer number who came, uh, people were opposed to it. Nobody wants this thing. Uh, as we said many, many times, uh, both parties. Reject corporate welfare, um, specifically 313s in the Republican Party platform. And so, what we have here, you know, and I, I tweeted out one of your tweets or retweeted you, you know, that this is this is the list of the Austin Uniparty right here, which I would argue there's actually a few more uh, members as well. But these are the ones who are displaying themselves, meaning they don't care what their parties say. They don't they don't care what the Republican Party says. They don't care what the Democrat Party says. This is uh, to help. Their corporate interests, uh, the 313 that died last go-round, was the largest corporate welfare program in Texas, costing, I think, a total of $11 billion. And here we are coming back with another corporate welfare program. But wait, there's more. Uh, there's less accountability. There's no sunset provision. Uh, and uh, th- right now, I believe the current form does not have renewables. We'll see if they throw those back in. So we're actually back with a far worse Bill with less accountability, and so uh, to me, it's like I, I I don't really know what's going to happen in the Senate. Here's as though if we have this thing's going to pass the House uh, because they have the numbers uh, in in the sure co-authors, and so uh, we will see what the Senate does. But I can tell you, if the Senate decides to pass this thing, it is a sad day in Texas politics when both chambers uh, <clears throat> prioritize corporate interests and corporate welfare over The the voters, right, and taxpayers who are drowning in property tax relief. And so I'm going to stay cautiously optimistic and hope that the Senate, you know, bats this thing down. Um, But I'm going to be very disappointed if this thing makes it all the way to the governor's desk uh, at the expense of us, because only one person pays for this. Right. Uh, There is no such thing as government money or public money. It's only taxpayer money. And so the money that is paying off these corporations and giving them tax abatements comes directly from you and I and everyone else in Texas who is dealing with inflation, who's not able to vote themselves raises like all of these uh, these bureaucrats uh, that deal with this. So um, let's let's be cautiously optimistic and hope the Senate bats us down. But I fully expect uh, with 76 co-authors, this thing's going to be voted out of committee likely this week. uh, And we will see it on the House floor uh, next week for sure. There should be. um, So I think where we're at.
0: Bill, I'm going to come to you next, but obviously, right, like what we're talking about here is that in the, you know, you have on one side of this, right, a, a legislative session in which they're purportedly providing property tax relief. And then you have the potential on the other side here to where they're trying to shift the burden, right, by, by giving corporate welfare like this uh, uh, to, to corporations, they will be shifting the property tax burden back on the backs of property taxpayers at the same time. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, there's, there's two big things going on here, I think. Uh, w- one interesting thing is that more Republicans are in favor of this than Democrats, right? And, and you would kind of expect the usual. I mean, the Democrats are, are not enemies to corporate welfare. But uh, in, in this case, one of the problems with this program is it takes money from public education. And they don't like that. And so, that, I think that's one reason you see the Democrats in, in on this. You know, the sad thing is that Republicans have just gone all out on um, on corporate welfare in this, and, and as opposed to caring for their constituents. Because here's that comparison as well. At a time, as Tim pointed out, that we are looking for property tax relief, they're minimizing that over on f- the property tax relief we're going to get but they're maximizing it for the big businesses and I, and I think what they're trying to do here is big big businesses don't like to pay taxes more than anybody else does but if they can minimize them enough that they can pass a lot of those costs on to consumers then then they they go along with those kind of things. And I think that's what the, the legislature is trying to do here is buy off big business, give them enough of a property tax break that they won't be complaining about high property taxes. And so homeowners won't be able to partner up with big business and really accomplish significant property tax relief over time.
0: Well, I think it's, it's worth mentioning, you know, that if you take a look at, there were two major votes in the house when it came to the chapter 313 tax abatement program last session, right? There was one bill that was to extend it, uh, I believe, another 10 years. That ultimately failed, right? Had bipartisan opposition. There was another bill to extend it, I believe it was two years, House Bill 4242. That did ultimately pass the House and died in the Senate, which is why we saw the Chapter 313 tax abatement program ultimately end in December 31st of last year. But what's worth mentioning is that six of the Republicans that were opposed to that extent in the House last session are now signed on as co-authors of this corporate welfare revival program uh, going into this session so it just makes you wonder if it was the green energy right carve out that that got them on board if it's leadership putting pressure on folks if there's wheels uh, wheeling and dealing happening in the background. We don't know, right? It's day 105 of day 140, as I said. Um, Are there any last thoughts on that subject before we pivot to the next one?
1: Well, and and you make a really good point there, Jeremy, but I think we do know. I I think that when it comes to what's going on in Austin, Texas right now, it's really unfortunate that the the needs and the desires and the wishes of of voters come last. And so members of the legislature are willing to sell out the voters to get their special little perks and and pet projects here up in Austin. And so they get a bill passed and we get no property tax relief. I I think that's ultimately what we're looking at here.
0: Tim, did you have anything else before I move on? Okay. Um, So I, it is worth, it is worth reminding folks that, of course, you know, as we enter the last few weeks of the legislative session here, you know, to, to, to keep in tune with what we've got going on, we've, we'll – We're providing vote notices for our fiscal responsibility index here um, going going in the last few weeks. And man, those bill lists are getting longer and longer. So if you aren't already subscribed, make sure to subscribe to our vote notices. You can do that at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. Uh, That way you get an email with kind of a highlight of of bills that are going to affect your wallets. It's also worth mentioning that today was the first day in which early voting started for the uh, uh, May uniform election date. There are a ton. Of bond elections happening all around the state of Texas, so make sure that if you go vote, you know what you're voting for. Um, I think uh, we can echo State Representative Brian Harrison, who uh, I believe it was last week in committee, who pretty much you know came to the conclusion, rightfully so, that look, a bond means a tax increase, right? So keep that uh, keep that in mind. Um, any last thoughts, gentlemen, from y'all on anything we've talked about today?
1: No, nope, but appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank everyone for being on with us this week. Of course, we will be back next week on Monday with another episode of The Week Ahead. Make sure to join Tim and I for our weekly video audio podcast, Taxpayer Talks, on Thursday this week as well. Stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe, texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe, and check out Bill's research paper, now live on texastaxpayers.com.